this is Chelsea Yule. You are listening to Building Breakaway Performers with myself and my dad, Mike Carrison. Today we're talking about the birth and death of a business, the life cycle, if you will. We're talking about hitting the wall, um, starting anew once you hit that wall, and pushing through and to keep your company going. We're happy to have you here. We're glad you've tuned in. Go Vikings. Um, enjoy. All right, what do we got today? What do we... So we're talking about uh, life cycle of a business, uh, something you mentioned to me, oh, and yeah. I want to know yeah. what exactly it is you mean by life cycle of a business. Wow, that's a big topic. Um, I want to go all the way back to 1985. Actually, it was 1986. And 85 was the year that Computer Options, my first company, made the Inc. 500. And that was a goal. We, we were like, we're going to do this. We can, there's no reason why we can't. And we set a corporate goal. And it was really cool because we, we got the company to $26 million in sales from zero, from my basement, right, mm-hmm. in five years. And we, that was the very first year that we were eligible to make the Inc. 500. And so... Corporate goals are really important. I mean, you've got to have a clear target somewhere, right? Yep. And it really aligned everybody. It got everybody excited about that. So, <clears throat> you know, not that that was a strategy per se, but it certainly was a target. Anyway, long story short, I was invited to um, the ceremony, which, you know, the, the new 1985 um, inductees mm-hmm. went to the, uh, where was it? It was in Los Angeles, right on the ocean. Five swimming pools, kind of a place, yeah. you know. And um, lots of great speakers. In fact, oh, funny thing, Bill Gates mm. made the Inc. 500 in 1985, Microsoft, mm-hmm. for the first time, the exact same year that I made it. Oh, wow. My company was ranked 149. Microsoft was ranked 163. Oh, snap. Let's go. He did a little better than me after that, though, I I would say. Um, But, yeah, they were a $72 million company in 1985. Think of that. Yeah. And look what they're doing today. I mean, just amazing. I mean, changed the world, Mm -hmm. basically. Um, Anyway, one of the speakers that, and it's germane to our discussion this morning, was a fellow by the name of, I, I might mispronounce the first name, but it was, I think it was Ekak mm-hmm. Adizis. And he was uh, one of the keynotes, or uh, and he did some breakout sessions. And it was a really fun two days, because it was all about CEOs and running their businesses, and they brought the very best speakers in. Ekak brought us into a small workshop called Life Cycles of a Business. And I have used that model every single year that I ran my business Hmm. as part of our strategy planning. So this is kind of how, this is his philosophy or his thoughts, and I think he's absolutely spot on with this. But he believes that, like people, uh, life is a bell-shaped curve. You're born and then you die, right? And you got this curve, Hmm. this bell-shaped curve. He thinks businesses and markets and products and services also have a life cycle. Um, but at the top of the bell-shaped curve, if you think about the birth of a company, like my little company being born down in a basement, mm-hmm. and 90 days later we had that big deal and it funded my future growth, that was birth, right? And then the 
the life cycle continues on, and we'll talk about the phases, but finally a company can die. They do go out of business. They do go bankrupt. They do go away because they no longer kept up. And he called keeping up a bifurcation, a bifurcation, which is the start of a new bell-shaped curve. So the idea is that sustainable growth for a business is a series of bifurcations, which creates new bells, and they just keep rising. Hmm. So um, I thought about that for a long time, and I thought, well, shoot, I, that's, my company it was an idea. And there was no revenue. There was just an idea in the early stages. And so the early stages of a company, or the birth stages, you know, it's like a new baby. What, is the, what does a baby need when Sleep. they're first born? Food. <laughs> Most of all, they need food. Mm-hmm. But they need to be taken care of. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all about survival at that early stage in a, in a life cycle of a business. So if you are nurturing and planning and thinking and stress, but if the baby needs milk so it doesn't <laughs> die, yeah. right? Then the only thing that matters in that birth stage is what? Selling. Yeah. Yeah. Revenue. I've got to get a deal and I've got to get it now. Right. I'm not going to be in the boardroom. I'm not going to be doing all this planning. I'm not going to be writing pr- fancy proposals and mm-hmm. building. We didn't have PowerPoints then, but you know what I mean. Yep. That's what a lot of people do. They think they get in the room and they stir up this big mix of stuff and they take it out to the market. The market goes, I don't want that. Right. you got to get on the street because the baby needs milk. Mm-hmm. So really, I think all entrepreneurs, the ones that get it, they know that they got to get on the street. they got to do some selling. they got to find a customer because the baby needs milk. Mm-hmm. And that's how they ultimately survive. And that's the birth stage of a business. What's interesting is as businesses begin to grow, that sense of urgency about getting customers goes away. It evaporates. It's like, oh, well, we're big shots now. We got customers, right. we got revenue, everything's easy. And that's the next stage of the life cycle that ECAC would describe. He called that the formative years. Mm-hmm. So what happens, well, think about it. What would happen after a bunch of customers show up? You know, if you get the contract, you got to deliver. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're a brand new company, it's not like you got a bunch of contractors sitting sure. around. You got electricians on every corner. I mean, you've got to put your team together now, mm-hmm. which is the formation of your business model. And your business model it forms itself based upon the need of the customer. Most companies do this backwards. Sure. They build what they think the customer needs, only to find out, oh, that's not going to work. We better revise this thing. So they invest all this time, energy, and money into building a delivery model that the customer's like, no, mm-hmm. they reject it. I see this all the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the formative years, for, in terms of what ECAC believed, and something that I absolutely strongly believe, is you've got to, uh, in formation with the launch of your business, you, in the early stages of my company. Well, I didn't have... I didn't have a delivery agent. I didn't I didn't even have a trucking company. Someone had to pick it up, someone had to ship it, someone had to crate it, and then I had to arrange for installation. I had to make sure it was guaranteed for IBM maintenance. The machine was used, so I knew I had to have it refurbished and staged and tested and have it look like new, because that's the way I represented it to my customer. Mm-hmm. And 
all these other all these delivery nuances kind of like came out of nowhere and hit my radar screen. And so it was a trial and error, you know, baptism by fire. You learn as you go and grow. And you're going to make some mistakes in those early trials, which we did. Right. And if you're going to be a good company with integrity, then you got to own up to your mistakes. You got to tell your customer we blew it and you've got to make good on it, right? But the customer will stick with you if you're honest with them and if you set proper expectations. But the the point was that now formation did take place. We had a business model, albeit a new one. We had a way to uh, to arrange our freight systems, <clears throat> our install systems. We built our little team to do all these things. All these processes started to form during those formative years, right? And then you get to the point in the formation time, that might be, call that a year, call that two years of building your business model out based upon your successes. Um, those formative years, you finally reach a point where you go, wow, this is really working. How do we get more of it? Mm-hmm. How do we do more with it? How do we scale our business model so that we can take on more customers and more, more workload and the rest? Now you're starting to move into the strategic planning era where you got to really think that through. That's the tail end of those formative years where you start to really refine your business model. And you're rolling, you're making money, you're doing well, you're, you're really uh, getting uh, headway in the marketplace. And you're learning about your competition, how to differentiate too. So all that's the formative stage. Call that a couple years. Okay. Then what happens next is, uh, you know, the, <laughs> I remember these days, the blue suits start coming out and you start feeling like an executive. You're wearing your white collar and your mm-hmm. shiny shoes and you're starting to act like you're a big shot because mm-hmm. you're making money and you got this company that's working. Now you go into what I call the normative years. And the normative years are good years because you're still growing. You're refining your business model, but you're not really reinventing anything. You're just kind of milking this sucker. And in strategic planning, you got to know where to hold on to things, where to hold. You got to know when or where to milk a market. It's like, man, get it and get it all now because it's probably going to go away. Um, And then you have to know where to drive a new market. In other words, where do you put the energy to drive something new? And if you're not doing those things, that normative uh, period begins to, to, uh, to taper off. So the old things that, that you set up, the old business models that you set up and processes that you set up during the formative years begin to work really well on what I call Main Street in the normative years. But the tail end of the normative years, ooh, we lost a few customers. Ooh, the market really matured. Ooh, this product and services isn't as competitive as it once was. Wow, the prices are starting to fall and come down. There's more competition than we had before. Our overhead looks like it got away from us a little bit. Now, all of a sudden, you kind of reach that early crisis of, are we on the right track here, right? That's late normative stages. And if a business isn't watching out for that, that will come because there is a life cycle to everything, a birth and a death. So once you pass through that normative 
stage, you hit what I call the wall. And the wall, think of a bell-shaped curve, right? Mm -hmm. At the top of the bell, think of a, a line going right through the top of that bell, like a wall, mm -hmm. right? A lot of companies hit the wall, meaning nothing's working anymore. Um, people are leaving, morale's mm -hmm. down, customers are complaining, we're late on shipments, competition's killing us, the prices are falling, profitability's going sideways, cash flow is starting to diminish, the bank's wondering what's going on, right? Those are the, and every single business, by the way, Chelsea, that I've ever worked with, and I've worked with hundreds of them, all know what the wall is because they've all hit it. Mm -hmm. The smart ones bifurcate because they sniff out the walls coming. They know that if they don't do something different, that wall's going to hit and it's going to hit hard. And when it hits, um, that's when you begin decline. And decline is rapid. But most executive teams when they hit the wall are in denial about it so what do they do they start tweaking the operating model they start laying off a few people they buy some software to get more productivity they start doing all of these band-aids to the business because they're in denial about the fact that their business model is starting to fail and they don't want to talk about that They'd rather go play golf and smoke mm -hmm. cigars, mm -hmm. play cards. See, so I'm being a little facetious here, but you, you get my drift. Yeah. So um, that wall is there to protect us. And we've got to find a way to bifurcate, meaning starting a new curve to miss the wall. We actually, if you think of a bell and then you think of another curve starting under it, sure. you've got this high and low curve and one crosses the other, and then the new um, bell-shaped curve starts, mm -hmm. which is what sustainable growth is all about. How do I reinvent the company? How do I create the company that, if it existed, would put my current company out of business? That's what bifurcation is all about. That's what strategy formation is all about. Because you got an executive team that's no longer in denial. They know they're gonna he they're heading for decline. They know they got to change, and they have to be completely open and honest with all their employees and their sales teams in order to avoid hitting the wall. So um, I see this, I've, I saw it in my own business. I think I mentioned to you the ITEL situation mm -hmm. a few podcasts ago where $250 million loss in one day. Yeah. Now, some walls you can't see, or you just can't see it coming. Mm -hmm. Tragic things can happen to a business. I mean, I remember the Tylenol situation about yeah. 40 years ago? Yeah. Changed the universe. Mm -hmm. So there's certain things you can't see. But most businesses can see what the future needs to look like and how we need to change. So I went from a in computer options, a, a buy, sell, lease hardware business in the mid-range area to the wall was coming. Why? Well, in 1982, after we had formed this business and we were rolling this baby out and it was growing like a weed we were definitely at the in the normative phase of the of the model well <laughs> we hit a wall because the pc was announced 
And then companies like Cisco, which built servers, that came about. Mm -hmm. So people went from mid-range computers to client-server computers. And then there was the fat client versus the thin client, which is the difference between having all the computing power on the PC itself versus having all the computing power sitting on the server and then the PC was nothing more than an interface. Those were all different evolutions of a new market that was emerging. And here we are with a lease portfolio of IBM AS400s, which were mid-range computers. It was going to go away. And I knew it. So I thought, we got to get the team, to, we need to talk about this. When's this going to happen? How fast is it going to How much time do we have to come up with our second idea? And if, again, I told last time I said, if you don't have a second idea, you're dead. You've be, and you better be able to start the bifurcation because think about it. The old normative model is still going, maybe hitting the wall and going in decline. But then you've got the new model trying to bifurcate while the old model is still going on. When you started the business, you didn't have that problem. Mm -hmm. You just had this, the baby needed milk. Mm -hmm. That's the only responsibility you had. But now at the top, it's more complicated because the old model's alive and well, we're, we're paying bills with it. You know, people are gainfully employed, but this new bifurcation has to happen right alongside of it. So how do you do that? How do you split your organization in two parts? That's hard. It's amazing how many businesses fail. And the reason they fail is because someone has an idea, but they didn't test the market at all. Yeah. And then they, they take all this wear and tear out to the marketplace and the marketplace rejects it. And they're out of business, they're gone. No need. Right. No one cared. Right. And, and so entrepreneurs have a tendency to fall in love with their stuff, <laughs> only right. to find out that no one else is in love with it. Right. So you, you have to be practical about it, too. So it, let's take your, your for instance. You've got this collection of sales skills and technical skills mm -hmm. that we could make two big lists on sure. if we took the time to do it. But so what? Exactly. So what? Yeah. Is there a business in it? Right. And that's just it. There's just a lot of skills walking around out there, but they don't know how to apply it to the right. marketplace. Right. So if I'm you with your skills i'm thinking who needs this right where are they what size are they what's my exact target market that needs the most what's the variety that i'm an expert at that the market needs the most mm -hmm. right and that gets defined i want you to almost sell me on the idea of <laughs> taking these taking these skills that someone like me and lots of people in in my yeah. generation have yeah and taking it to an, a corporation that already has a, a salary, benefits, a position to fill, and hiring me versus taking this and starting something new. Well, the different kinds of, I wanna know what makes that those two types of people different, what drives them, you know, the pros and cons of each different direction. There is absolutely nothing wrong with a career, for example, in marketing. Mm -hmm. You could get hired tomorrow mm -hmm. by a marketing company. They would, I mean, 10 minutes, you'd be in. Mm -hmm. You can't find people with your skills out there. Mm -hmm. It's just not there. So is that a good career? Absolutely. Could you make a lot of money doing it? You could, you could be, I'm sure you could pay very fairly, and you could have a career path. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you wanted to get into management, you could do that, or training, or something else. But you wouldn't be stuck in one's, in one's position. You'd be able to grow mm -hmm. inside of an organization and make a contribution to that organization. Nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that.
And you do get benefits and you get a paycheck every two weeks and there's comfort. Right. It's also your stage in life. Right. Um, I mean, it's hard to be an entrepreneur if, uh, you know, you got four kids at home and you lost your job. Right. Oh, you think I'll go out and start a business tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need a year before we get any income. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of other factors at play. Do I have the time? Do I have the money? Do I? Is there some subsidy out there that I can depend on? The baby needs milk. How much can I really get done? How fast? Mm-hmm. And then what's the risk associated with it? So there is some initial business planning that has to happen. You're in a position right now where you don't have a whole lot to lose. Right. Right. You are um, in a market that absolutely needs those skills. I'll give you another example in my business. If I go back, people people laughed at me. I, I started my company in 1980. Mm-hmm. And they would say, you started a leasing business in 1980? Yeah, why? Mike, there was 19% interest rates. We were just coming through the worst recession we've ever seen in this country. Mm-hmm. No one had any money. Businesses were failing. There was bankruptcies all over the place. Unemployment was like 9% or some crazy number like that. Mm -hmm. Economy was a mess. Oh, I think I'll start a company. (laughs) Well, guess what? That's exactly what I did. But I wasn't thinking about all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I saw a need. Well, you can go to IBM and pay 100% a list. Or you can buy it from me at 30% off. And it'll be like new. It might be used, but it'll be like new. It'll be refurbed, staged, tested, and guaranteed for IBM maintenance. Mm-hmm. And you'll save 30% mm-hmm. on the price. And oh, by the way, if you don't have the money, I'll lease it to you. I believe that in every market, there is strength in weakness. Mm-hmm. You just have to know how to find it. All right, folks. Well, thanks very much for tuning in today. We have one simple formula here. We want to make great sales organizations. We want to help companies become breakaway performers themselves. And we want to assist the executive teams to get better. So stay tuned. Um, If you liked what you heard, give us five thumbs up. You see the stars there. And please give us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And if there's something specific you want in future podcasts, please let us know. Chelsea, thanks so much. Thank you. I had a ball. Likewise. See you next time.